Hi, I'm Shakira Ray, and welcome to Seeking Wisdom, where I host in-depth conversations about life and legacy with some amazing people. My conversation with Joan was so good that I had to share it with you in two episodes. In part one, we discussed her past experience with domestic violence and how she rebuilt her life. If you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you do right after this. Here's part two of my conversation with international speaker, award-winning, multi-best-selling author, business coach, and independent publisher, Joan Randall. You're going to want to have pen and paper handy for this one. After my first promotion, I recognized that I had this innate ability to lead. And so I would use my journal, which I love. I'm, I'm, I'm a girl that writes everything. I would make certain um, journal entries of what I wanted the next position for me to be within the company. And so every three years, I gave myself a target to um, get another position because I knew that every elevated position would give me more money. And so I worked hard and I recognized, okay, so this is my next step. What do I need to learn? So I have the skill set and the knowledge and the leadership to be able to get to that position. So every three years, I was getting promoted. I was getting promoted until I got to an incredible position as a regional director um, for certain areas of the business. And so I had responsibilities for Washington, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, New Orleans, and Puerto Rico. And so I would travel to those areas once a month. I loved it. I, that was my favorite um, part of the job when I got to that level. And so then I set my sights on the um, vice president level and I worked hard and I got there. And when I became a vice president, president, I recognized that every area of the company that I wanted to be promoted to, I had accomplished that. I, I had achieved that. And at the vice president level, there was one more position that I would have gone for, and it's regional vice president, and I did not have an interest in doing that job. And so I felt like after 25 years and growing um, in that company from a part-time associate to a vice president, I needed to use everything that I got from the company, my skill set, my tools, my resources, my knowledge. Um, but I also recognized that I had this thing that I was, was, was ashamed of, right? The domestic violence and the uh, homelessness. But I thought to myself, for all those years, I had it on my back as a badge of shame. But when I thought about how I had reinvented myself, I recognized, wait a minute, this is not a badge of shame. This is a badge that talks that shows resilience and perseverance. And I need to let people know that adversity does not define you, that you can rise from the dust and from the ashes and become whoever you want to be by just pulling on the, you know, your innate abilities and gifting. And so at the 25-year mark, I could retire because I was eligible for retirement. Or I could have continued with the company, but I recognized I needed to take everything that God had blessed me with and start to share it with others um, in the probability that someone's life will be changed because of my story. And it was the first time I shared with um, colleagues within the company 
that I was a domestic violence survivor and that I was a, you know, I'd overcome homelessness. And um, at that point, I felt like I'd given my, you know, my dues and I wanted to do more because I wanted to impact lives. I wanted to share my story. I want someone to be inspired by my story and have the courage to change their circumstances by just activating their internal innate strength and power. And so I decided to retire from my full-time job and then pursue entrepreneurship. What kind of business did you start? So the first thing I wanted to do was to um, speak because that was, that was, uh, let me just go be a speaker and get paid. I took a coaching course for an entire year. I signed up with a coach, Marshawn Evans-Daniels, and she's a, a coach who teaches people how to to speak for pay. And I was just, oh, this is me. This is it. I can do this. <laughs> Getting into the un- entrepreneurship world, I recognize they ain't nobody going to pay you to speak if they don't know you. You know, I'm like, who knows Joan Randall? Nobody does. Nobody's going to pay me four, five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars $10,000 to speak. So I soon found that out after I did my coaching and started my business. So I made a decision to add coaching to the speaking. And so I was doing personal development coaching, just helping people go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset um, and understanding, you know, what their abilities are, what their talents are, what their skills are, and how they can utilize those skills and probably start a business or get promoted or, you know, become um, better at what they do. And so I launched into the speaking and the coaching world. Uh, I created uh, an online course. Uh, you know, I had a lead magnet and it was called, you know, Five Steps to Success. And it was a five-step process how, of how people can go from stuff to success. So that's where I started and that's how my business kind of uh, started growing uh, for the first two years of going into entrepreneurship. How long into your entrepreneurship did you see what you define as success? Wow, what a great question. So the first three years were difficult. The first three years, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know if this is working because I thought that I could have taken 25 years in the corporate world and just you know, just bring it into the entrepreneurship world. It does not work like that because you realize that in your nine to five or your corporate setting, you're not the only one. You're a part of a team. Even if you're the leader, you're a part of a team, right? And so you might be leading the process or a specific area. And then there are, there are you know, some leaders that are below you and associates below those leaders. So there's a whole dynamic that happens with working for corporate and you're following directions as much as you are leading you're also managing and a lot of people get that those two things you know kind of cross a leader is one who can just go out there and you know have the vision to make changes without having to ask for permission a manager is someone who takes the um the assignment and the direction of the company and make it happen with everybody else, right? So that um, they can, I'm sorry, so that they can, um, you know, carry that function out. So in in my case, I recognize that I could not 
just have taken that and bring it over into the entrepreneurship world. I truly needed a team or I truly needed to figure out what I need to do in this entrepreneurship side to win. And so I recognized that I have this thing about books. And so I started writing more books, right? I recognized that a book is a business. And so I started writing books. And I wrote, within a four-year period, I'd written 11 books. And they all made the bestseller list. And people started saying to me, wow, you know, you wrote that book, you made the bestseller list. Or you're in an anthology, you made the bestseller list. Can you help me? So I started helping people put their manuscripts together and helping people get on the bestseller list because freelancing for a publishing company. And during that time, I recognized that, hey, I have something that was really special. And but I never thought of making that a business whatsoever. Uh, and so I, um, within the third year or so, it's, uh, something happened and I had to pivot. And it was during the pivot that I recognized that I am good at getting people to tell their stories. I am good at asking specific questions to get people to unearth their story, to bring up things that they never even thought of. Or I might be listening to a story and I can ask a question, uh, could be simple as tell me about seven-year-old Jones. And that just sparks or triggers a memory that that person never even thought of. So I recognized I had this thing on the inside and I started helping people. And that was how, you know, Victoria's Youth Press was born. And that was when I started to see a level of success, right? Success is relative based on what you're doing and how you're growing. So I don't look at success as having to make a million dollars or having to make a six figure. I look at success as growth over LY or growth over what you're doing or movement, elevation, right? Because I, you cannot get from the bottom of the ladder to the top of the ladder. You have to climb on each rung. And so every rung is an elevation. Every rung takes you higher and every rung is a level of success. So that's how I define success by the rungs that you climb as you elevate, as you grow, as you change, as you pivot. And so the minute I started focusing 100% on publishing, I saw the immediate shift in my business, a 180 degrees. And then I started making a profit. And because I made a profit, for me, that was success. You recently traveled to Kenya. Please tell me about that trip and what Victorious E-Press is doing there. I still love that, that question. So... In the midst of all of this publishing thing, I was asked to go on a podcast. And on the podcast, I shared, you know, a little bit like what we're talking about now, how I went from being homeless and broken and, you know, trying to figure out, overcome the death of my mom on my birthday and how I went from there and never gave up in the resilience and the perseverance to being a vice president of, of this, this company that I was with to now being a publisher. And there was someone else on the podcast that was just blown away by the brief story I shared, right? 
And so we connected at a later date and I find out that he was a prince from Cameroon and that um, not only that, but he, he has a, an organization, a nonprofit organization called the Nehemiah Project, which has um, offices on five continents in 38 countries around the world. And everything they do is published in like four languages, English, Spanish, French, and Mandarin. And I was just blown away by the whole concept of that thing because the, he runs a company and everything in his company deals with biblical entrepreneurship. And I never thought about putting anything from an entrepreneurship perspective, um, tying it to a biblical um, foundation. I knew that I had faith and my business was faith-based, but I never understood that um, creation showed us the image of how we should run our business. And so um, got to know Patrice Feige a little bit more. And then in 2021, just this opportunity, he picked up the phone one day, called me. I was going through, a, you know, something that was a little tough at the time. He picked up the phone, called me, had a conversation. And he said, um, this is in July of last year. And he said, um, hey, by the way, I would love to have you speak to the women in Kenya because that was what it was supposed to be. I was supposed to go there and just speak because he knew the story, my story. And he said, you know, you could encourage women all across the continent of Africa. Let us start in, you know, in Kenya. And he said, I'd love for you to travel with me and my wife to Kenya. And so two months later, I was traveling to Kenya. And it was such an incredible experience for me. And so about a week before Kenya, he said to me, you know, is there anything that you can, we'd like like for you to see, but we want you to do a workshop about this whole writing thing because, you know, he said there's not a, li- a lot of libraries in Kenya and people don't really read as much um, books. They're very much into education, but not so much into books, which I didn't get at the time until I went there understood what that meant. So he said, let's do a workshop about books. And I said, yeah, I have a workshop called The Power of the Pen. And he said, let's do that. And so I ended up going there and did this workshop. You know, I was on television. I was on a a radio broadcast. I mean, there was all this big, you know, um, to do because Joan T. Randall, (laughs) an American publisher, is coming to Kenya, Nairobi. And so they set this up and it was so impactful, the workshop. And as a result of me doing the workshop there, there were a lot of people who wanted to write or understand the writing process, understand the marketing process, understand the publishing process. And so we ended up launching Victoria's New Press in Kenya. It was never something I dreamt about, but it just happened. So I do have some Kenyan clients as well and continue to have, um, you know, someone in Kenya who connects me with people who want to write books. So that's how we launched Victoria Sue Press there. In addition to publishing, Joan continues to write. So I asked about her upcoming projects. I do. Ooh, there's so many projects. So just so you know, with me going to Kenya, that was one thing. I am now the um, publishing director of Nehemiah Project. So I have taken on that role. So anything that the um, principals are doing at Nehemiah Project, and and when I say principals, I mean the heads of the organization, 
Um, I will be overseeing their whole publishing process. So I am the publishing director for Nehemiah Project, and it's for the global organization, which is amazing. Not only that, I've taken on the role of co-executive director for a nonprofit called the Boost Pad. And the Boost Pad is an organization that helps underrepresented and women founders to build economic and impact in Charlotte. So we give them all the basic fundamental tools that they need via a 16-week training course. And then we help them to set up a... Um, a line of credit with a credit union and then um, allow them to pitch for $5,000 startup money, which is a grant. So I am, all, you know, I'm on that board and I love that because I, I get to serve and help people, be, you know, um, realize their dreams of entrepreneurship and get them the right foundation to start. And then just in my own world, currently we're doing an anthology called The Image in the Mirror 2. Um, and it's about manifesting a dream deferred. And so we have 16 authors, 15 women, one man. But I decided, um, so this is the second of a trilogy in this whole series called The Image in the Mirror. In 2021, we launched the first one, um, you know, seeing yourself as how God sees you. That was image one. And image two is manifesting the dream deferred. But I decided with my risk-taking self, that I wanted this to be a documentary, documentary as well. And so I reached out to a friend of mine who I know is a director of short films and documentaries and, you know, asked her, what would it look like if I want this to go on film? And so we connected, we worked out the details. And so not only are we launching this book now, but we're launching the film in May of this year as well. So that's exciting for us. So it's a whole new dynamic, you know, now as a uh, executive producer for a documentary. How do you manage your mental health? What is self-care to you? Hmm. <laughs> My daughters think I don't do enough of it. Um, but self-care to me is really putting myself first and knowing that um, I can't work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, although entrepreneurship, you'll find yourself getting into that mode. So understanding that there's a breaking point, that there's a time when, when I say breaking point, I mean a stopping point. There's a time when you have to stop and think about yourself, breathe, exercise, eat right, um, take a weekend off from work, take a week off from work, you know, finding those moments where you're spending time with your family, your kids, your grandchildren, your loved ones, um, and not con consuming um, every hour of the day into the job because um, this is where a breakdown happens with mental stability and stress, and that can affect your health. I've been there. I've done it. I know what it's done to my family because there was a point in my entrepreneurship journey where all I did was work, and it affected um, the relationship between my husband and I affected the relationship between my children and I. I remember my children saying, you're not even a regular grandmother because you have to put, you know, when you, for us to spend time with you, you have to put it on your calendar. And that is the truth. Like I would pencil in my, my time with my grandchildren on my calendar. <laughs> so, crazy. so I have learned, right, from those experiences to um, give myself more grace 
um, and let go sometimes of the things um, that I can't control and, and um, pull away a little bit more from the work. And putting God first for me is very important. Starting my day with prayer and um, devotion is very important to me. And that for me is some kind of self-care. I'll tell you this also, Shakira, that there's something that I do every single day while I'm working or when, when I'm working is at any time around 2.30 or 3, I take a break and I, I go in my car and I drive and I don't do any work. So every day I take this, you know, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour to just disconnect um, and just uh, call it a me time for those 45 minutes to an hour. And it really has helped me find the balance. What is your advice to anyone interested in pursuing entrepreneurship? My advice to anyone in entrepreneurship, do it because <laughs> you're building legacy. However, be smart. So if you currently have a nine to five and want to go into entrepreneurship, um, don't just jump from your nine to five to entrepreneurship because it, it, it is not easy to just for it to happen just like that. And the goal of entrepreneurship is to make sure that you can um, make the salary, right? Make your, your revenue um, match the salary that you're making. And it doesn't start um, off that way. So use your nine to five as a way, as a means of investing in is what I like to call, call your five to nine, right? Your business on the side. Use your nine to five to fund your five to nine. Um, and then as it starts to grow and as it starts to um, evolve and elevate um, and you see that you can make a profit and you work out all the kinks and understand how you can pivot um, as you grow, then that's when the transition starts. You may go part-time at your nine to five and now you, you, you can put more energy and more effort into this business that you're creating as an on, entrepreneur. Some people do both. Some people have their nine to five and still have their their entrepreneurship job right next door to each other because it may be a consulting job. It may be, you know, a job that doesn't require them to do too much that will affect their job, their full-time jobs, and so they can do both, right? And, and some people just say, hey, you know, I've had enough in my nine to five. I want to transition to my, you know, full-time entrepreneurship. Just understand where you are in your process and be smart in making that transition and don't just jump from one thing to the other um, because you'll find yourself in, in a little bit of trouble and, you know, that's not what you want to do. So I would say just know where you are, what you want to do and how you'll be able to transition from one phase to the other. And my last question for you, what would you like your grandchildren to remember about you? Well, I want them to know the impact that I've had in the life of others. Um, a lot of times people think about legacy as money, right? And money is great. If someone needs me money, oh my God, that's great, right? But money doesn't necessarily translate into influence or to impact. And so I want to make sure that my grandchildren understand um, what I've done for others, um, that I fulfill the commission of God um, to multiply, replenish, right? Um, have dominion and authority, rule and subdue is what the Bible says in Genesis. And it doesn't mean that 
it's just for me. It is what did I do with the gifts and the talents and the um, the treasures that God gave me? What did I use that to do? Um, and how have I impacted um, others while I'm using my gifts and talents so that it could make room for me and allow me to have the abundance to um, support my family and my children? I want my grandchildren um, and great-great-grandchildren and my generation after generation to be able to go to a library or a bookstore a hundred years from now, 200 years from now, and pick up a, one of the 13 or 14 books that their grandmother or Gigi has written and, be, and, and can say, wow, this is the life she lived and this is what people had to say about her. And, um, you know, I want to be able to carry on this legacy because my, my grandmother started it and I want to continue. So that's what I want my grandchildren to be able to say. My legacy is um, while I was on earth and the opportunities that were given to me, I was able to impact others so that they can um, be better before, you know, that they can be better once having come in contact with me. So that's what I want my legacy to be. Wow. I hope you took notes this time for all the pearls Joan just dropped. Thank you for listening. And I hope you join me for the next conversation. Like and follow at Generations to Remember on Facebook and Instagram to stay in touch. And Joan, thank you for chatting with me. You are such an inspiration to many. I can't wait to see you and your co-authors in the Image in the Mirror documentary.